Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Dexter Davidson. Dexter, where are you at and what are you up to? Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Kieran. Really appreciate it. So, yeah, uh, my name is Dexter from uh, Leicester in England. Um, I guess my day job, um, I'm a teacher, I teach sport. Um, so I guess it would be what would maybe be high school I think, for you guys. So my, my guys are all 16 to 18, 16 to 19, uh, that kind of age range that I, that I work with. Um, so that's, that's my day job, if you like. Um, and then around that, um, I'm, a, I'm a football coach, soccer coach. Um, and I, I've done all sorts, really. That I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get into. Um, worked most recently in in the women's game, in the women's senior game, um, uh, with a club called Loughborough Lightning, uh, which is tier three here. It's the third tier of women's football here. Uh, working with their development team, um, and obviously at the moment we're in we're in the off season, um, so I've got kind of nothing on, having some downtime, having some time to get away, some time to switch off. Um, but that's that's me, really. Yeah. What was the experience working with the ladies, even though tier three, but it seems like the game in England continues to grow, especially on the female side. Yeah. I mean, for me, this was probably my, my biggest jump, if you like, in terms of a coach is a real eye opener, a real kind of a learning curve. Um, I did two seasons there. Um, I'm, I'm not going back uh, next season, uh, just kind of for a whole host of circumstances, kind of nothing, nothing to do with the club at all or anything like that. Just, um, just purely personal circumstances I made that call at the end of, of last season but yeah I had two really really good seasons there um, and it was fantastic for me um, the program itself although they're a club and they're, they're operating kind of within the the tiered system here um, they were based out of a university so based out of Loughborough University so they had a lot of players who were students um, some guys that you know are working and things like that around it, but a lot of students um, which was, was pros and cons but for me, um, the access we had in terms of in terms of pitches, you know, we'd get a full full artificial pitch for an hour, hour and a half, twice mm. a week, which is which I can't speak for you, but over here that is that is tough, and that is you know that's you're very fortunate to be in that position. Kind of access to um, you know equipment wise, pretty much everything you could you could want. Kind of go grab it out of the store and, and crack on with that. And then obviously the kind of multidisciplinary support we had around that. So um, access to uh, performance analysis and video analysis software, things like Huddle, um, you know, all of our games are recorded. For, so for me as a coach to be able to go back and and watch that and, and clip it up and use it to talk to the players or use it to inform a session, you know, uh, was was just out of this world for me. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the players had kind of their own support around that in terms of, of lifestyle and performance and stuff. But for me, that was a big jump. Um, again, that comes with its pros and cons. You know, there was a lot of a lot of positives from that that really, really helped me develop, but also a lot of kind of other, um, you know, issues that then then present itself working in that kind of um, environment. You know, until that point, I'd, I'd only really worked in the youth game, so the age group game. So I'd done um, a lot of some boys grassroots. Um, so just, you know, amateur under 12s, 13s, 14s, that sort of stuff. Uh, and then I had a little bit of a paid work in what, what we'll call here a talent centre. So at the time, obviously, not every women's club here has, you know, an academy uh, like our boys clubs do. So talented girls at kind of ages 10 through to like 16 aren't necessarily being picked up. So something that was being put in place here was uh, it was either called a regional talent club 
um, or an advanced coaching centre, or they've now been renamed uh, regional, no, uh, emerging talent centre. I think they've been renamed now. But essentially, they were just centres that um, girls that were identified as kind of performing and excelling in their age group were um, brought in and they would still play for a club and their local club and with their friends and that stuff. But they would train um, additionally with us throughout the week. And then we have a kind of a games program and fixture program around that as well. And that, that was really, really good as well. That was kind of my first step into a, a slightly higher performing environment, if you like. And I got, you know, I was really, again, really privileged to work with some excellent players in that, in terms of, you know, for their age group, really, really excelling. So from that, centre with us again if they excelled within the centre they would then be invited to um regional uh camps um and then through that into then like national camps and then that was kind of their pathway into essentially the england talent pathway so hmm. um one of them since then has got now gone on to represent england at her age group kind of under 16 under 17s from that pathway so that's kind of the, the you know the level of players you're working with from kind of under 10 say through to to under 16 um, and that was that was a really nice opportunity as well that I did for about three or four seasons alongside that. How has the experience of being a teacher as well as a coach, how have they complemented each other and helped you in terms of your development? Oh, oh massively, yeah, 100%. Um, there's so much that's interchangeable and, you, you know, you take from one environment to the other because essentially at times, you know, coaching, whether it's, it's football, soccer any other sports ultimately you're teaching you're teaching the game you're teaching the uh, the fundamentals so a lot of the the pedagogy and the the science and the cognitive side of things that underpin teaching just transfers across to to coaching um and i obviously i was into coaching you know before i was uh, employed as a teacher so the experience i had from that going into like teacher training and and, and things like that was was like really, really kind of felt like it gave me a bit of a, a leg up and a little bit of a head start. Uh, I knew how to kind of to work with groups and to have like aims and objectives and how I was going to work towards those and um, designing designing practices and sessions and things. So a lot of those kind of core skills, I felt like I already had like a bit of a leg up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but even to now, like kind of, you know, I'm, I'm four or five years into, into teaching full time, um, probably kind of seven, eight years into into coaching um so you know i started quite early relatively speaking um still feel like i'm I'm learning things in one place that i'm, I'm taking over to the other um and you could say a lot of the skills you develop and the things you look at and the things that underpin that are just completely transferable across the two i mean obviously i teach i teach sport which is which is highly practical uh but we have a lot of um theory-based classroom stuff as well so you know, being able to kind of mix it up and, and do that. I teach um, kind of coaching-based units as well. So be able to kind of impart my own experience within that is always beneficial. You know, I'm not just I'm not just hitting them with information that's in that's in a, in a curriculum or in a specification. Like we can talk about my actual experience of what that looks like in practice and, um, you know, what that really looks like in the real world and stuff. So they are kind of two things that just really do complement each other really, really well um, and being able to kind of, just kind of switch and move between one to the other. It's not kind of two distinct things. When did the whole experience of soccer begin for you? Everybody knows England is soccer crazy or football crazy. Did you start as a youth playing? How did you get into the game of soccer? Yeah, I was thinking about this before I came on because I thought this might this might come up. Like mine, mine's a strange one in that 
really I shouldn't I shouldn't have been into into soccer at all. So I come from a family um, quite heavily into rugby, more so. So dad, brother, uh, grandparent, cousins are all um, have been and are into massively into rugby. Um, so obviously, naturally, my, my my dad took me to rugby initially as kind of a tot, you know, five six years old and truthfully I don't remember disliking it I don't remember being taken and thinking like this isn't for me I I, I love sport I've always had a love sport um regardless um you know if it's on I'm watching it I always got involved in everything at school like I, I love sport regardless I don't remember getting taken to to rugby and not enjoying that um but for one reason or another my dad then took me to my local soccer team um Again, I don't remember asking. I don't remember saying, I don't want to do rugby. Can you take me to football? I know that a lot of my friends at school at that time were, you know, were more into, into, into soccer. And we'd, that's what we do at break and lunch and stuff. Obviously, here, that's the, that is the game, really. It's, the, it's what everyone kind of into. So, for one reason or another, anyway, my parents ended up taking me to, to football. And that was it. It just, it just stuck, really. Um, just kind of playing, never playing to any sort of level. Um, never any trials just kind of with my my local sides but loving it you know um playing with my friends and did that until uh obviously I was about 16 um and whilst I was at school uh purely just by chance um through a friend I started doing a little bit of coaching at the weekend on a on a, on a Saturday morning just literally helping out I had no knowledge no experience you know pretty much I was I was picking up and, and putting down the cones and doing a little bit here and a little bit there, but like really kind of enjoyed it. Um, so then I, I kind of just got into that. No qualifications or anything, just kind of helping out, like I say, at the weekends. Uh, and then I went off to, well, what, what we call college here. So when I turned 16, I, I left school and, and went to do um, my next kind of qualification and played for my my college uh, side for, for two years. Kind of stopped playing away from that. So I didn't, uh, my, my local teams kind of dissolved and, as that kind of happens as you get a bit older and players drop out of the game and stuff. Um, did that for two years, doing, again, a little bit of coaching on, on, on the side, some evenings, some weekends. But again, I look back on some of those some of the things I did now, thinking, God, what like what was I thinking? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what it was. Because so, still at this point, like no qualifications or anything. And then when I went to, obviously, university here, um, I didn't have like a team. And I was obviously not playing at any sort of level. And I kind of said to myself, well, what I'll do then is I'll I'll try all for the, for the university side. Um, and if I don't get in, then I'll probably just call it a day. Um, I didn't have a kind of interest in playing kind of like senior amateur football around here. Uh, what we like, what, what's kind of referred to here as pub football, like Sunday morning, um, you know, kind of get you get lumps kicked out of you by... I hung over, hung over old men. I had no interest in that at all. So I was like, okay, we'll try for this university thing. That's going to be another three years of, of football. And if I don't, then I might just have a crack at this coaching stuff. So I tried, uh, so I was, a, I should have mentioned from the start, I was a goalkeeper um, throughout my pretty much whole time playing football. Um, There's about seven or eight of us that turned up on the first day to trial for like one spot, maybe two spots, I think. Uh, obviously didn't, for one reason or another, because I didn't, didn't get it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I just started then really taking a, an interest in coaching and let's let's actually have a look at this. So on my 18th birthday, uh, I went and did uh, what here is the first, at the time was the first qualification you could do, the FA level one uh, coaching qualification, which at the time was kind of 
three or four workshops on an evening where you learn about just putting kind of practices together and some basic things. And like I said, that was, I started that day one of that was on my 18th birthday um, and, and did that. And that was it really just kind of struck up a, a real passion for it from, from there um, quite quickly then got into my level two uh, after that um, kind of, uh, then took on like my own team um, and some different clubs and kind of learning, kind of learning more about the game. And then, like I say, before I knew it, it's like one thing to another. I got this opportunity to work on the talent pathway, which um, the, this wasn't the motivation at all, but offered a little bit of money as part of that role, which was the first time I'd kind of been paid for any sort of coaching. Still doing voluntary stuff alongside that in the evenings at the weekend. Um, managed then to get onto my UEFA B license from there and. And then kind of into what I've done most recently from um, with Loughborough and the women's game and stuff. So there was kind of never really a plan and a, a, or a, it just kind of think one thing just kind of led to the next and kind of stumbled to this and stumbled to that. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, OK, this is this is where I'm at. So, yeah, like I say, against the odds, really, I shouldn't have on paper really been involved in in the game at all. Um, and I'd like to be able to tell you how how I decided I wanted to. But. Like I say, it was, it was obviously my, my parents kind of not forcing me for one reason or another to to stick with rugby. Like I say they were dead supportive. Like I, I'll always say that I probably had what you'd want from parents involved in a sport in that mega supportive in terms of they took me everywhere I needed to be. I always had all the kit that I needed, but they were never those ones on the side that were were shouting and, and, and whatever else. They were there. They watched pretty much every game, um, picked me up afterwards and there was never a, you should have done this or you were this today. Like it was just like, well done. Did you enjoy that? Good. And like looking back, I appreciate that now as being really, really, you know, a really, really good position to be in. What has it been like for them parent wise to see you now take that leap of faith and kind of like you said, I don't really know why, but I just kind of followed this feeling. And now here you are working your way through your licenses. You're getting great mm -hmm. opportunities. What has it been like for them to watch you kind of grow? And even in your teaching, yeah, like I like to, I like to think that they're obviously, you know, quite, quite proud, and you know, my, we have some jokes about it. My mum's quite vocal about that on like social media and stuff. And um, I've got an older brother who he's been through university and, and got a masters and, and done a lot of all great stuff as well. So, so I remember there was, there was a period of time, I think it was this window where I, I think it was like I, I passed my driving test. I um, achieved. I got. I think it might be my level level one or level two, whatever it was did something, got some results back for this. And it's like a short window. My mum was like super proud of Dex, super proud of Dex. My brother just being like, you know, you've got another son as well, don't you? You, know, you remember that. So, yeah, I like to think that, like I say, that they're quite proud of what I'm doing and stuff. Um, like I say, I got into into kind of grassroots coaching where here the kind of culture is usually someone's got a child who's like five, six, seven years old who they want to – uh, get start playing football but there's no team for them so they set up a team at their local club and they end up coaching it as, as the parent and other guys get involved obviously I had like none of that I had no personal investment if you like in any of the the voluntary stuff that I was doing it was purely just for the, the love of the game the love of coaching and, and the love of like developing other people um which again like some of the same like, my parents have commented on in terms of that being quite a, a selfless thing and that you know I don't have to be there. I'm not kind of committed to be there because I've got a child or a relative or, you know, someone that I'm close to that's involved and I'm providing an opportunity for them. I'm, I'm doing it for, for other people. Um, and, and like I said, and, and then qualifying and getting into teaching. 
Uh, so my dad was was a teacher but before me. Again, I wouldn't say that was necessarily the reason that, that I wanted to get into that. I've never had that thought of, oh, my dad's a teacher, so I need to do that. It's maybe part of that has rubbed off on me and, you know, subconsciously, and that's what kind of pushed me down that route. But like I said, I think that he's quite proud and, and we, we chat about, he's, he's retired now, but we chat about what what I'm doing and, and how things have changed. And you know, I can I know that I can lean on him for kind of advice and his experience because he was so he's in the profession for a very, very long time. Um, so yeah, like I say, I like to think that they're, you know, that they're proud and happy with, with what I'm doing. You talked about being super interested in learning constantly. Like even now, you know, that I still have a lot to learn yeah. moving forward. What about the, the leadership part, the coaching side? Like, was that something even as a youth, when you were with groups that you kind of took the lead and kind mm. of could organize others? Was that something that's kind of part of your makeup? Yeah, do you know what I'm mean, Now that you mentioned that, I should have maybe said this kind of when I was giving a bit of like a run through of my kind of journey and stuff. But my first kind of like taste of of coaching, uh, leading, or whatever you want to call it was when I back when I was still playing. I was probably about it must have been about 15, maybe 16. As I said to you, the team at the time was managed by one of the one of the other players' dads. But actually, for the second season I was there, the 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 son like left the team. He stopped playing. Um, and I think like the the guy who was coaching just felt that he couldn't like just then leave as well. So he he carried on. So to be fair to him, like his son left the team, he had say no personal kind of investment anymore. But he carried on with us for uh, for another year or so. Uh, but he had a job where um, it was quite sporadic, like shift. It wasn't like a nine to five. Like sometimes you had to work nights, weekends. Da, da, da. And I remember just one. We had one game. Um, on a on a Sunday here, on a Sunday afternoon, and he couldn't get to the game. Um, we didn't have like an assistant. L- looking back, like this is a safeguarding nightmare. Like now, nah, this would this would never be able to happen. Like, <laughs> but we went to the game with like no coach. Obviously, like all the guys' parents drove them there. It was an away game, so like we had all the parents with us and stuff. So you know, we were we were looked after. It's not like we were we were unattended, but there was like no like coach. Um, and he was kind of basically like. I don't even really remember the conversation. I don't remember there being a conversation about like who wants to like sort it out. Whether for one reason or another, I ended up kind of being the one on the day mm. that was that was in charge. So um like the night before, I remember getting my notepad out and like picking the team, like who was going to be the team and like subs and so yeah, we went to this game, I'd say 15, 16, just like youth, youth soccer. And it's like, yeah, this is the team today, guys. Like, but I'm playing, I'm playing in it as well. Like, like, luckily, I was the only goalkeeper, so like, I had to play. So there was none of that, like, picking myself <laughs> over someone else sort of thing. So, yeah, I played in goal with, like, a couple of subs, and like, I'd, I'd pick the 11. And then I, like, remember stopping the game to, like, say to the ref, oh, ref, can we make a couple of subs, please? And, like, I remember the opposition being, like, like confused. Like, where's your where's your guy's coach? Like, what's, what's going on here? So that was, like, my first, like, taste, if you like, of, like, managing and, and putting a team together and like what I thought and I could say maybe I think that's probably where I got a little bit of the bug from um but then like looking back even like before that yeah I was always quite um happy to like step up to for, for like leadership things so you know I was, I was involved in like lots and lots of my sports clubs at, at kind of school and stuff um you do like various like leadership academies and things like that through kind of your, your PE or your clubs or whatever. And yeah, always been kind of quite happy to, to like lead and, 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 you know, take, take the reins on things um, in, in most circumstances, particularly in sport. Um, I wouldn't say that was necessarily always the case, which is quite a, 
a contrast. There are other times and scenarios where I'm happy to actually be the quiet one. Um, and I'd, I'd rather sit back and, and listen and observe and not necessarily feel like I have to contribute all the time. But I think particularly in sport, uh, yeah, like I said, that's always kind of been something. It's only something you reflect on now. Like at the time, you don't you don't mm-hmm. see it. But like to look back now, like, yeah, well, it, well, it makes sense. Like I was probably, don't want to use the word, but like destined to, to take this sort of path if I look back at like, what I've done and stuff. So you've mentioned working at the grassroots level, the talent ID, and then now with the tier three women's mm-hmm. semi-pro team, what are, is there a certain level that you've enjoyed the most or have you, as each one had, it's kind of like you talked about earlier, there were some pros, but there are also yeah. some cons types of thing. Is there a certain spot that you've kind of yeah. felt like this is where I'd like to be? Yeah, I think for me, definitely that sweet spot, I think was when I, I was working on the, the talent pathway, uh, and specifically, I had the the under fourteens. Um, so here at that level in women's uh, girls football, it's like two year age groups. Uh, so the under fourteen. So some of them were uh, they're either twelve, thirteen, or fourteen. So they had this kind of like band here, and that for me, yeah, that was like the real sweet spot in that you could still kind of mould and 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 coach them, and they didn't have kind of any set and fixed ideas or additional stuff that kind of comes with that but they were technically and physically developed and proficient enough that you could demand slightly more from them. So what I mean, for example, you know, I, I've done a lot of, I did some work this season with the, with the under 10s. So that's like the earliest age group we have in there. So they're a lot younger. So it's smaller format of the game. So I've always really enjoyed the 11 aside format um, more so. Um, not that I feel that we need to get, I definitely don't think we need to get youth soccer to look like senior soccer quickly. I, I'm not I'm not an advocate of that at all, but from purely on a personal level, I like working within the 11 aside game and, and the full format. So, and also at that age group, that under 14, that's their first year of that format of 11 v 11. So again, it's almost like a blank slate to work with. Um, I was chatting to, I've got a colleague that I, I work with in my teaching, who's also a coach. Um, and he coaches part time at Coventry City boys in their boys academy, and he's doing he's doing the same this year. He's working with their under thirteens, uh, fourteens, and he said exactly the same that that's their first year that they're exposed to full format eleven aside, and it's nice because, it, like I say, it's a, it's a blank slate. They've got no generally no preconceived ideas about the game and and what it should look like in that format and that size, and you can work with that. And like I say, they're starting to physically develop, so you can demand a little bit more from them there technically a little bit more developed so again what you can ask and what you can expect is a little bit more and they've got a slightly better tactical understanding of the game so that was a real kind of nice sweet spot I felt where we had all that but I would also probably add the caveat that I think I had a particularly talented group at that time mm. before I had any involvement on them like if I look back at that group now and where some of them are playing and what they're doing and, and where they were at for their age like that was probably quite an anomaly so maybe that had some impact of why I kind of I enjoyed it so much or whatever, I don't know. Um, but for, for different reasons, like I say, the, the, the working in the women's game had its own thing. I like that going to a game where like, how are we going to win this today? So, you know, always working in age group, it was just always about developing the individual within the team and getting them better and trying to push them on to the next level. Working in the women's game, although I work with the development side, so our primary goal was to get players ready to play in the first team. But we still had that on a Sunday. It was about like how can we win as well, um, and kind of the, the tactical challenges that you face within that, and 
thinking about um, how we can counteract the opposition. Like I say, we had access to footage so we could look at the last time we played them and what we might expect. So being able to look at the game like that in a little bit more detail, I really, really enjoyed as well. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I preferred one more so than the other. I think I probably just preferred them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. I haven't mentioned this this season. I'm actually taking a year out. Um, I'm not kind of committing to any clubs or, or teams or anything like that. Just again, I said at the start for for a whole host of reasons. Really, say my jobs jobs pretty full on. I've just moved into my my first house. Um, kind of got a lot a lot going on. So I've kind of made that decision this year. I'm just going to have a year out. Um, still kind of stay involved in the game and try and watch as much football as possible. So, but you know, if I look to get back into the game kind of the year after, I think I would be more enticed to look at a senior environment um, and try and get back into that rather than youth and development. Uh, but I guess that's why this environment was so good because it was a bit of a hybrid because it was senior football, but it was a development team. It kind of sat in that nice mix between like let's try and win some games and win some stuff because we were involved in like cup competitions and stuff. Um, but equally, I need to develop these players to be better to try and get into the first team and be ready for that as well. So that again, again, that was a nice kind of middle ground I found. You mentioned having the colleague, the other teacher that teaches and coaches as well. How helpful has it been to have someone that's in kind of a similar boat as you in terms of weighing both of the job kind of positions yeah. and bouncing ideas off of each other? Oh, massive. massive. So like I said, I'm really, really fortunate that where I, where I work uh, at Loughborough College, Loughborough and Loughborough Sport over here is like a symbol of sport. Like if you say to anyone in this in this country about Loughborough, immediately their mind goes sport. So really, really blessed that in that environment, there are so many people who operate or have operated at, at good levels in in a multitude of sports. So like say the one specific guy I'm referring to there, he like say he, he's coaching in he's coaching academies here for a little while. Um the guy who heads up our women's uh, rugby program there is involved uh, with a with a team that play at the top tier of women's rugby here. Um, someone I coached with him uh, with, the, with the last side I was with works at the college as well, and we, we shared an office for a period of time. Uh, there's other guys who have been to Olympic Games, and so to have that kind of like there is just just like mind blowing to be able to, to sit down and speak to them, access these people, and talk about the game and talk about coaching. So, yeah, you know, sometimes we've had, had uh, things throughout the season, like kind of maybe problems we face, tactical, social or otherwise. So to have someone or other people that you can go to and just be like, as an objective, like third party, but still understands what's going on, like what do you think? Um, that that's, that's invaluable to me to particularly speak to someone who's like removed from your situation and your scenario. So we had a, we had a group of three coaches Um from that in that squad so obviously we talk about stuff but ultimately like you're all in there and you're all in the thick of it so to be able to speak to someone who's kind of removed from it a little bit mm. but has the the technical tactical and the knowledge of the game and everything else that comes with it is, is invaluable but equally reaching out to people like in other sports so like I say the, the rugby guy me and him chat regularly just about everything and nothing to do with with coaching sometimes it's about a specific problem that, that one of us is having or facing and other times it's just just shooting the breeze about you know coaching leadership or whatever so yeah that's like really really invaluable 100 percent. like i said i'm really really blessed to be in that kind of environment in that position to be able to do so 
You mentioned also kind of working your way through the UEFA. What has mm-hmm. the experience been at those coaching courses? Maybe for those yeah. of us here in the States that haven't been able to experience that. Yeah, um, I think so. Each of them, I felt like came just at the right time to like push me on a little bit. So uh, so what we have here, like I said, the system is you got five, basically five levels of badges you can do, badges, qualification, whatever you want to call them. So at the time, it was literally level one, FA, FA level one, FA level two, FA level three, which is your way for B, um, then your way for A, and then like pro license. So obviously, pro license is people working in in the professional game, and that's that's a long way off. That A license, that level four, is kind of like uh, people working in high end academy, kind of full time football, you know, pretty good level. And then your way for B is kind of the step below that, um, obviously. When I went on the level one at the time, it was literally like what it what it should be and what I felt it was about. It was to get people who were starting off on coaching but had kind of no prior kind of knowledge or or all they had was like what they knew. So again, I go back to like some of the sessions that I put on. I found myself again just reflecting now, putting on the sessions that were put on for me, like as a player. Mm-hmm. And there obviously was some of them were so bad and so I like outdated. I look back now and I'm like like what what was i doing like, what what was i doing um so yeah i've gone to level one it's about basically putting on uh games-based practice so so uh practices and, and drills what you want to call them that that look like the game they're either anything from 1v1 through to like 5v5 games 3v2s and it was all it was all about that and just how putting those foundations in place um and at the time the fa had a model which was their four corner model and it's, you had to look at your players and look at your sessions across four areas. So technical, tactical, uh, physical, psychological, and then social. Um, and it was how do you develop players across all of those areas in your session. So it's very much like foundations. Um, the level two then at the time allowed you to then just go like a little bit further. Uh, you start to have a bit more emphasis on the technical and the tactical detail within the sessions, like what you want to achieve and, and what that looks like and your outcomes. Um, and then the UEFA B then just takes that to a, to a whole new level of kind of detail and um, to the point where you're putting on a session maybe to 15, 20 players, but you, within that you have a primary player, like a player that you're working with might be your holding midfielder or your centre-back or even your goalkeeper, whatever it is. And you start with them and it's described as like a ripple effect when we build out. So we're working on pressing, say, um, who is that primary player when we're pressing? If it's high up the pitch, maybe it's the striker, it's the number nine. So I want to work with them. And then I work backwards and what do I now need the wingers to do when the striker's doing this? And then what do I need the central midfielders to do? And and, and work backwards like that. So just looking at the, the game in a, in a whole host, and it that really pushed me. I'd say that that UEFA B probably pushed me the most in terms of stretching me as a coach and my understanding and, and my learning. But I would say that each qualification came at the right time for what I needed at that point. Um, I think sometimes there can be a a rush to do this one, then this one, and it's like you know, I don't like to to speak ill of people, but I will see online. Really happy that I've ticked this this level two off. Now it's time for the UEFA B. Like already, like the mind switched to that that next achievement rather than having some time to like embed what it is you've just learned and actually go away and put that into practice for a season or a couple of seasons because there's no way you can solidify what you've learned without putting that into practice. And like which I'm more than happy to say, like I was probably a little bit guilty of. So 
I applied for my UEFA B the first time. Um, because what I should say is the level one and level two at the time, you could just you just paid and you booked onto it and then you went to it when it was. The UEFA B is the first one that you have to apply for and apply for a place. Uh, so you obviously have to fit like a job application, you have to fill out like your experience, kind of who you're working with, why you want to do it, and, and, and why you want to get on the course and stuff. And the first time that I went for it, um, I didn't I didn't get a place, uh, which obviously at the time I was you know, a little bit devastated about. But looking back now, it's probably the right thing because I think I was doing what I've just explained. I don't think it's right where I hadn't long finished my level two. Um, obviously, hadn't been coaching for a particularly long time. Um, you didn't get any feedback as to why you didn't get on it. Uh, but reflecting on it, I can probably see like why that is now. So I had another year of, of embedding what I'd learned, developing more, learning more about the game and then applied for it the next year um, and was successful. So kind of again, having the the blessing of hindsight and being able to reflect, it was probably a good thing. I think if I'd have got on it that year earlier, it might have been too soon because even a year later, it really pushed me. And there was times when I was like, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, is this for me? Like, I'm not good enough sort of thing. And when you chat to people, everyone has that kind of self-doubt and imposter syndrome, we call it, where, but that's because that's you're being pushed and that's because you're being, you're being stretched. And ultimately that's how you learn and you develop. I think if that had been a year earlier, yeah, that might have, I might not have maybe got through that. I don't think I'd have been ready. So, um, like I say, each each course and each qualification had a kind of a specific focus for a specific person on a specific point in their coaching journey. Um, and I think it's about just getting that, getting that right and, and being on the right thing at the right time. You've mentioned a couple of times, kind of like when I look back at my first session or when I look back at not getting into the B. Yeah. How important has kind of self-reflection and looking back? And because you said, I may have not noticed it in the moment, but now when I look back, it it's why I'm where I'm at now. How important has that been for your development? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the more time I've spent in the game and then obviously in my in my job now, like reflecting becomes more and more important. Um, and I don't necessarily think, I had this conversation, but I don't think reflecting has to be super like structured or like um it doesn't have to be sitting down and writing and reflecting and evaluating like it can be so like informal like um so i used to do a thing when i was at where i was in the, the center um that was about an hour away from where i lived so when i was going there i had an hour's drive there and an hour's drive back so like for me that was like ideal time to like reflect um i'm, I'm by myself i'm in the car like it's, it's fresh i can reflect um and we had a lot of conversation like that so i started doing a thing where once i got in the car ready to drive i'd turn the uh got the voice memos on my phone and just start recording and just say what i thought about the session just as i'm driving home just obviously speaking to myself there's no one else there and while it's fresh you know yeah i'm happy with how i did x y and z but i don't think i could have done this and, da, da, da. and obviously not for the whole hour we're talking like you know 5 10 15 minutes max log that and then come back to it a few days later and, and listen back to it. And it was that true or is that because of the emotion and, and reflect on it again. So that's kind of like semi-structured. Um, but I think sometimes just taking moments to sit um, in the, in the shower in the morning, man, just, just reflect and think. And like, that's the only way it's such a cliche, but that's the only way like you're going to improve. Um, and I, I think I still need to get better at reflecting. And um, sometimes I can be very much in the moment, like, 
I face a barrier or, or I'm perceived to like fail, I'm very much like, right, that's it, like it's done, like I'm no good. But then coming back to that a little bit later on, reflecting on it with more clarity and less emotion um, is, is, is vital. And it, it's, a, it's a cliche, but it's the only way that you, you're going to get better. So um, this time of year, particularly, like I said, I've, done, I've done a lot of reflecting at work. We've had a lot of structured reflecting, both individually and like as a collective staff group about, you know, what we've done. Um, we like to think this year has been very successful um, and, and the numbers and everything else would back that up. But we don't want to stand still. So how are we going to be even better next year? Um, and same if, if you're in coaching, this is it's a good opportunity now to over the last couple of months or so and into the next month just to to reflect on on yourself, on your sessions. I think taking feedback on on board as well and being receptive to that. You know, I mentioned some of the sessions that um, I can't believe that I was doing. I know, like one of them, like so, for example. I was working with another coach. He would take them on like a Saturday because I, I had like a part-time job that I was doing to kind of fund through college and stuff. So he would take them on like a Saturday. I would have them like on the Tuesday night and then we'd both be there on the Sunday for the game. So I was putting on like these sessions on a Tuesday night and then like the Saturday, like a couple of the players have like said, oh, we didn't particularly enjoy X, Y, and Z that we've done with Dexter on Tuesday. He's like fed that back to me and it's been being receptive to that, that mm. right, I need, I need to change something then and it, it's not, it's not personal and it's not like digging me out. It's just, right, that's not working. They're not enjoying that. It's not beneficial. So how am I going to change? And that's, that's how you involve. So I think I've definitely got better at reflecting, um, but I think there's still, there's still room to go, but I think it's just something we can all be doing like all the time. Um, and just, and, and making it tangible as well. So not just reflecting like, okay, this didn't go as well as you wanted. So like, what are you going to do differently? Um, or this went well, so how are you going to continue to do that or, or do that more so? You mentioned too that you have taken the made the decision to take a step back for a year. How difficult was that? A lot of coaches, once they get in, you talk about passion and they love it. It's hard to sometimes be make the right decision for yourself yeah. to say, oh, look, I'm going to focus here for now and then hopefully come back to it later. How What was that process like for you? Yeah, so about Christmas time, January time um, of the season just gone, I took like two weeks out. Um, I was, you know, truthfully, I was, I was just exhausted um, in myself, just kind of mentally, physically, everything else. So I, like, I need some time. So just took two weeks out, which I really enjoyed, like the, the time off in terms of just being able to just relax and, and unwind and have time off. Um because like, for example, so what I was doing, so where I, I work at the college is is on one side of the road and on the other side of the road is the university where my football was based and my coaching was based. So it was really nice and convenient that I could finish work at like, say, five, hang around for a little bit, drive around to, to the training facility uh, and then start getting set for, for training at six, train through to a half seven um, and I'd be home for like, say, eight, quarter past eight. But when you've left the house in the morning at... Mm. 7.30, suddenly, before you know that, that's a 12-hour day and that obviously then planning and other stuff has gone into that. So having not having to do that and, and go home at 5 o'clock and check out and switch off like was nice. But by the end of those two weeks, like I, I was ready to go back. I was like, yeah, okay, I've had that time just to just rest a little bit, kind of get myself back, and I'm ready to go again now. Like, and So we finished the season off, um, but it just kind of got to the end of this season and it was a it was particular it was a turbulent season in that um 
there was a lot of movement and change within the, the structure, kind of um, coaches moving on, new directors of football, interim coaches, players coming and playing. Like, there was a lot of chop and change and turbulence and it felt very hard to get settled, particularly in the second half of the season. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of got to the end of the season. I just had to think, like, I'm doing this, like, I'm doing this for for free ultimately. Like this, this none of this was like paid work at all uh, anymore. Um, once I stopped doing like the, the talent center stuff, so this this stuff in the women's game was like completely voluntary. Um, so if I'm not loving it and I'm not really enjoying it, like, what am I actually getting from it? Um, and I stuck it out like for the players because like like genuinely the group of players that I got to work with over those two years were just were just phenomenal. Um, like awesome just just like great footballers yeah that, that was fun but just like the people um the coach that i got to work with again we formed a really really good bond really good relationship um so all of that side of stuff was like was great um but i just kind of got to the end of the season i just thought like this yeah I, I don't think i can do another year of this um and i basically said to myself that i will not actively look for anything but if something or an opportunity presents itself that I think is right, then I'll take it on um, or at least I'll at least consider it. Um, and I sent a few emails and a little bit of inquiry and being a little bit nosy, but nothing was kind of really like right. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So this is what I'll do then. I'll, ha- I'll have a year off um, and and I'll see. And I, now at the minute, it's great. And it, it, I, I, I am loving it. I am loving the, the extra time. Um I've started getting into golf. God knows why. Just, that's something that happens at that point. You know, I'm terrible, but yeah, getting to do that, spend more more time at home, obviously, uh, with my partner. Just have like evenings to to do nothing or to go out or whatever. It's great. Um, I think it will be telling when the season starts. I'll see how I, I don't know how I feel then when I see that people are going back, or I am seeing that people are going back to preseason and people are making signings online and chatting about the game. That might be a little bit harder then. We'll see. Um, but I think it's just kind of what's right at this moment in time and where I'm at, um, kind of with personally, professionally, everything else. I think that's just kind of what I need now. And sometimes you've just got to make those decisions. Um, you've just got to kind of kind of do what's right. But like I say, I've got, I've got my qualification to a certain level. I've got my experience. That's never going anywhere. So I'd like to think that in, in a year, maybe even two years, whatever, I don't know that, I'll be able to get back into the game and um, find a more a more medium ground. Um, but yeah, no, genuinely looking forward to kind of a season out. If I'm honest, um, I'm going to do my best to kind of keep my tool sharp. Um, so I've got a few opportunities where I've kind of agreed that I can dip in and out, kind of ad hoc, and, and do a session here and a session there, just to kind of because as you know, like stuff changes so quickly that if you did a year and did nothing, like so much would have like changed and, and things. So stay involved in the game. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big Leicester City fan. I've been a season ticket holder for the uh, best part of 15 years now. So I'll be doing that again next year. So that'll be my Saturday afternoons and, and Tuesday evenings doing that still. So that's not a problem. And then just try and get out and, and see some local games. And like I say, dip in and out of some sessions and some clubs and just keep myself ticking over for a year, but without that kind of full on commitment and, and things. And then I'll assess this time next year, like, where I'm at and, and what I want to do and what's available for me. Dexter, this chat has been awesome. And that is a perfect way to shut this thing down. This is Kieran with coaches corner chats with Dexter Davidson and I'm out. Peace.
What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.